0: Hey everybody, Pastor Chris here. Thanks for listening to our Market Street Podcast. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope today's message helps you in your walk with Jesus. For more ways to connect, visit us at marketstreetchurch.org. Oh, today, we actually... we change the, the series title a little bit because I don't really know, I'm not really sure how far I'm going to get today. I'm going to try to get you out in a timely fashion, but I'm also excited about this content. I'm excited about um, this message that Haggai had uh, for a guy that we just are going to shorten it up and call him Z, but he, he was known as Zerubbabel. Uh, Zerubbabel. Say it with me, everybody. Zerubbabel. There we go. There we go. And so so this is a, a specific conversation with Zerubbabel, Haggai and Zerubbabel that he had. Um, and so again, it's, uh, the, the underlined tone is consider your ways, consider your life, consider your decisions, consider your choices consider what you think about, consider what you act on, consider, you know, what, what you make priority in your life and, and all those kind of things. So that's really what this has been all about. And so today, the big idea for today is, is this. The big idea for today is this. It's the small things that no one sees that results in the big things everyone needs, right? It's the small things that no one sees that results in the big things that everyone needs. And so one of the things that the people of God had here when it, when it came to, you know, Haggai, what Haggai is about or Haggai, however you want to, whatever you want to call them, was that they were disappointed or they were discouraged at how small their, their temple was and how after it was destroyed by the Babylonians, Solomon's temple was this beautiful, immaculate place Place where people would come and they would worship, but then it got destroyed. Then God's people were, were sent back home to rebuild it. And as they were beginning to rebuild it, they were just going, Oh, this isn't this doesn't measure up. This doesn't measure up. And God's like, listen, don't don't worry about the small things. It's still gonna function the same, even though you don't think it's you know is, is, is as effective, but it is, it's just as effective. Even the small things that no one sees will Jesus, God's saying, trust me, will result in the big. Things everyone needs. Anybody um, ever allow your your pop cans or your bottle returns to get too too high? Anybody is this a problem for anybody else? It it is a massive problem for me. It is a massive problem for me. I mean, there are there are times we if you walked into my garage, um, you would say, "Boy, you drink way too much pop," right? And I do, and we let it over months, months, and months get, and then. And then I'll walk into Meijer and I'll tick off the Meijer workers, man. Because I'm not walking in with one cart. I'm walking in with two carts. I'm walking in with three carts. Four carts. Five carts. Five carts of... Yeah, walking in, man, you should see the Meyer workers. Like, I'm no longer allowed in Meijer anymore. Um, they're like, you are not allowed in here. So, it, it, right, it just starts with one can, right? It starts with one can, and then before you know it, it just adds up, it adds up, it adds up. But this is also true for us in a positive sense, right? Right? And so, my wife will always tell me that I need an attitude adjustment. Anybody's wife ever tell you that? Just mine. Okay, so it, 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 sometimes it's the small attitude adjustments that go a long ways, right? Or, or, or for you, it's the, it's the small investments. It's the small investments that, that yield a, a, a large uh, gain, you know? And, and, and oftentimes, we know these lessons in life. These are true. And so this is also true for us spiritually. It's the small things. It's the small things that no one sees that results in the big things that everyone, everyone needs. So that's the big idea today, okay? So let's pick it up. Um, uh, Here's an example of that. Jesus is saying, here's an example of that. So he says, he presented another parable to them saying, the kingdom of heaven... The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a person took and sowed in his field. Okay? He said, so we, we if you were here with us last week, we talked about that idea of, of sowing, 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 right? Sowing a good seed, sowing a good seed, sowing a good seed. He said, he said, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a person took and sowed into his field. And then he says this, verse 32. And this is smaller than all the other seeds, but when it is fully grown, It's larger than the garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the sky come and nest in its. Branches, and so Jesus is like, you know, this is how the kingdom of heaven works. It just starts with a sowing of a good seed, sowing of a good seed, good, sowing of a good seed. It's like a mustard seed. It's it's smaller than all the other seeds, but when it is fully grown, it becomes a plant, a, a garden plant, where it becomes a tree, and that that tree is a place where birds of the sky can come and nest. In its branches. This is Jesus' description of the kingdom of heaven. So, back to the verse from last week if you were with us. If you weren't, it's okay. Is the seed still in the barn? Is the seed still in the barn? Like come on, I, you know. Again, I still don't have a you know an example of what a barn would be for you, but the I think the illustration is, is this that you know when it comes to our natural seeds that we sow, the natural seeds that we sow those are the those are the what the, what Paul called the flesh. You know, the 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 sins of the flesh are our, our carnal nature. You know, our, our built in you know ability to to not always do the right thing, to not always make the right decision, to not always think the right thought. So that's what so he that's our natural but when it comes to we got to go out to the barn and we got if we're going to sow good seed, we got to go out to the barn and we got to get that good seed out of the barn. And so he says even including and then he named some some things that, you know, don't really pertain to us but even including for us good thoughts forgiveness holiness generosity purity these are things that you can sow get that out of your barn get that out of your barn he says why because small things small things over time accumulate small things over time accumulate so you start sowing in good thoughts you start sowing in holiness you start sowing in generosity you start sowing in humility and sobriety and honesty and encouragement, you'll produce that kind of fruit. Is it still in the barn? Well, get it out and start sowing those those good seeds because they're like mustard seeds. You sow, they start out small, you sow them, you sow them, you water them with the word, 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 and then it begins to grow and to grow and to become like a tree where the birds nest in it. That's what it, what it become, become for, for us. But it has not produced fruit, we say. Well, it's taken too long. I, I've sown these things and it's taken too long, but it will, it has not produced fruit yet. It has not produced fruit yet, but it will, but it will. From this day, he says, from this day on, I will bless you. So even when, even when we continue to sow good seed that we get out of the barn and we sow those good seeds from that time, from that moment, even though we haven't seen it produced yet in our life, God will begin to bless your life from the moment you begin to sow those good seeds. And it's the small things, it's the small things over time that will begin to accumulate. Begin to accumulate. Now, we looked at this verse back in a few weeks ago when we started this whole series on Haggai. And it says, in the second year of Darius the king, on the first day of the sixth month, the word of the Lord came by the prophet Haggai to, there's our guy, Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel. Are we good with Shealtiel? Okay. Uh, Zerubbabel was the governor, the governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehoshadak. Are we good with Jehoshadak? Okay, all right. So the son of Jehoshadak, the high priest. So, so here's what we have, okay? Here's what we have. We have Zerubbabel who is a a politician, okay? So we have a politician. We have Haggai who is a prophet. And then we have uh, Joshua who is a priest, right? So we have a priest, a prophet, and a politician. Did you hear about the one where the priest and the prophet and the politician walked into a bar? And the bartender said, what is this, a joke? That's all I got. That's all I got. I'm just making sure you guys are still with it. It's Memorial weekend. You're like, when are we going to get home? Okay. So that's what we got. But this, this, God's now saying, now remember, if you were here last week, you remember this too. The people of God were not getting it. They weren't getting it, just like my joke. They weren't getting it. And so they had to bring in another prophet, another prophet. Now, this prophet really was putting a spotlight on a particular guy. He was putting a spotlight on our politician. And here's, if you remember from last week, here's what Zechariah, our, our, our other prophet who comes in. He says, Also the word of the Lord came to me saying, Zechariah, he's saying, saying this, the hands of Zerubbabel the hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundations of this house and his hands will finish it. And then you will know that the Lord of armies has sent me to you. And then he says this, for who has shown contempt for the days of small things. In other words, he's saying, listen, he's saying Zechariah saying, listen. Zerubbabel our politician, he's going to come in and he's going to be the one who's going to be the the leader of God's people in that time, and he's going to be the one who's going to lay the foundation and they're going to be beginning to build this temple. And they're going to be discouraged about how small this temple is. But Zechariah comes in and says this. Do not show or do not have contempt for the days of the small things. Do not have contempt. Don't get discouraged for the days that you have to begin to just sow the small seeds into your life. Why? Because one day, one day, though they start out small, eventually it's going to grow into something significant. It's going to grow into something that everyone needs. And so here's Zechariah's message. He's saying, listen, don't have contempt for the days of the small things. Why? Because you already know small things, Things over time become big things. It goes from a can of diet Mountain Dew to five carts of diet Mountain Dew. It's amazing I'm still standing here right now. This is what Zechariah's message was. It's the days of the small things. Don't, don't be discouraged by those. Don't be discouraged by those so then Haggai specifically has a conversation with Zerubbabel. And this is where we should look into beginning to sow these kinds of seeds in our life. Based on the specific message that Haggai had with one particular person, Zerubbabel, that we'll call Z. Okay, here's what he says. Then the word of the Lord came a second time to Haggai on the 24th day of the month saying this, verse 21. Speak to Zerubbabel, governor of Judah, saying, I'm going to shake the heavens and the earth. I'm gonna shake the heavens and the earth. And then he says in verse 23, On that day, declares the Lord of armies, I will take you, Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel. Son of Shealtiel. Now, we've already seen that a couple times, right? Son of Shealtiel, son of Shealtiel. We're not exactly sure if that was actually his father. Okay? We're not exactly sure. Now, David's line... In David's line, King David, his lineage, we see Zerubbabel's name mentioned again, okay? Here's what it says. Here's what it says. The sons of Jeconiah, so Jeconiah was a king, okay? Jeconiah was the king when the Babylonians came. So Jeconiah was the king when the Babylonians came. That's why he was referred to as the prisoner, he was referred to as the prisoner. Why? Because he was the king when the Babylonians came in and you know, took over you know, Jerusalem, Judah, and they, brought, they took him captive. So that's why he was referred to as the prisoner. Were his son Shealtiel, okay? Then it says this. And Malkarim, Padiah, these are all his other sons, Shnezar, Shen- uh, Jechemiah, H- Hashemah, Anadabiah. Are we good with these names? Okay. (laughs) Then it says this. The sons of Padiah were Zerubbabel and (laughs) Shimei. I just made that up on the spot. So what is it? he's we know he's the son of someone paternal right he's the son of to someone paternal we don't really know well, who which one is it was it shieldheal or was it Padiah? which one is it well there's a couple options couple options okay number 1 that it was a lineage adoption it was a lineage adoption. This was not uncommon in that time, okay? Here's what that means. That means that Shealtiel may have adopted as an adult Zerubbabel, Zerubbabel. So it's, it's possible that Shealtiel didn't have any sons, which was in that time, it was important for the oldest son of the king, so Jeconiah the king, his son Shealtiel to carry on that lineage, to carry on that, which was important. It was important, what I'll get to in a second. So it's possible that he, he didn't have any children or couldn't have any children for some reason. So Shealtiel may have adopted Zerubbabel so that the line could continue, Okay. That's one option. There's a lineage adoption. The second option was what was called a leveret marriage. A leveret marriage. Meaning that Shealtiel may have died young and childless and Padiah married his wife and conceived Zerubbabel. So that, that also is a possibility. That also was a part of the culture. So you can, you can, it would have been something along the lines of where, you know, Shealtiel, he said, I said, died young. And then, you know, maybe Malkarim, you, know, you know, died as well. And then Padiah was the next in line of Jeconiah, King Jeconiah. Are we putting on our thinking caps right now? Okay, that Padiah was the next in line and neither of them could have children, but it was important that the lineage keep going. And so they would, they would marry. So it was possible that Padiah said, you know what? I'll marry Shealtiel's wife. And then they con- uh, conceived Zerubbabel. Now, which is it? Which is it? I have no idea. I have no idea. Now, I think it was possible that it was a leveret marriage. That's the most likely scenario, that that's what happened there. But he, all we know is this. He was son to someone paternal. All we know is this. He did have a father. He did have a father, but we're not really sure. Was it Padiah or was it Shealtiel? And all I got is this. Let's pray and go home. No, kidding. I'm kidding. There's a point. There's a point. You're like, there better be a point and you better get to it fast. Now, why, why is that all important or significant, why does that matter? Why does that matter? I showed you King David's lineage. I showed you King David's lineage. It was important that King David's lineage continue. It was necessary. As a matter of fact, it was promised by God that it must, must continue. And if certain guys didn't have children, it was the next brother in line to make sure that that line continued. Now, let me show you another lineage. It's found in Matthew. After the deportation to Babylon, Jeconiah, King Jeconiah, fathered Shealtiel, and Shealtiel fathered Zerubbabel. So according to Matthew teal. Maybe Badiah? But it didn't matter. Why? Because, verse 16, skip a few generations. <laughs> Jacob fathered Joseph, the husband of Mary, by whom Jesus was born, who is called the Messiah. Now, you and I exist. We live to be in line with Jesus. Now, here's the point. God didn't give us a definitive answer on who Zerubbabel's father was because it didn't really matter. All that really mattered was is that Zerubbabel was chosen by God to live, to be born, to have breath in his lungs, to walk this planet being in line with Jesus. Now, I don't, I don't know what your backstory is. I don't know what your upbringing is. And maybe your story and maybe your family dynamics were just as weird and messy as Zerubbabel's. Didn't it look messy? I mean, me explaining this, you're like, "What are you talking about?" You just like shaking your head. Like, get to a point. That's the point. The point is, is that we live. We're are born into this world with the purpose of being in line with Jesus. Now, you may had a awesome dad or you may had a terrible dad. All I know is most families, if not all families, are dysfunctional at some level. But you exist You're here. I'm here. I'm walking and breathing and standing before you today. And you are sitting before us, each other today, to know that you were created to be in relationship with Jesus. You were made for more. Zerubbabel, who's your dad? He could tell you, I can't and you can't definitively, but Zerubbabel would say, I'm here for more anyways. I'm here to be in line with Jesus. You and I exist. Now listen, our most important relationship that we have in this world is our relationship with the Lord. That's the most important relationship. Jesus described it this way. He's like, you know how fathers are, right? When your child, Jesus gives this example, when your child asks you, and this, is, this was relatable to them back then, when your child asks you for a piece of fish, you don't give him a, or her a, a snake instead, do you? This is Jesus' example. When you're in the, he was probably meant to be funny. He's like, when your child, he gives gives another example. When your child asks you for some bread, you don't give him or her a stone, do you? And then he's like, or, or or, when your child asks you for some eggs, you don't give them a scorpion, do you? (laughs) That's what Jesus, they, they were laughing. They thought it was funny. And, the, and, all, and all the fathers, the parents that are listening going, no, of course not. And then Jesus' point was, well, imagine how you, and this is the word that Jesus used. Now imagine, I don't think about myself in this way and you don't think about yourself in this way, but he goes, imagine that you being evil are willing to love and to bless and to provide for your own children. How much more, this is so important, how much more does your perfect heavenly father love you? Jesus is going, you're imperfect. But yet, I know for me, I would take a bullet for my kids. And you would take a bullet for your kids and you would take a bullet for your grandkids. You love them so much, but Jesus' point is going, listen, you have so much capacity to love even though you're evil. You're evil. Can I give you an example of this? As a dad, I'm a, I'm a good dad, I think. I think I'm a good dad. I'm not a perfect dad. There's only one, right? There's only one. So one uh, day, I was taking my daughter, uh, Sarah, to soccer practice. And my wife said, this is where you need to go. This is standard protocol for me. My wife tells me where I need to go, and that's where I go. (laughs) So she, she said, you need to take Sarah to this place. And so she, I, I say, okay, all right. So we, we get to this place where she was gonna have soccer practice. And, and as we drive up uh, to the front door, my daughter says to me, dad, can you walk me in? And I was like, uh, you're fine. You're fine. I go, I'm dro- I'll drop you right off at the door. You just walk right in, you find your team. And she goes, dad, just walk me in. I don't, I just want to, you know, I just, I'm not, I don't feel comfortable walking in by myself. And I, I didn't have a really a good excuse other than I didn't want to. <laughs> Can I be honest? I didn't want to. Like, I didn't want to park. I didn't want, like, I, knew she, I, I knew she'd be fine. I was like, so I said, you're fine, you're fine. And she's like, oh, all right. You know, so she, she walks in. Now, I start to drive away and I start to sense, and I'm not anything spiritual or important, but I just felt something. I started to sense God telling me to turn around and to go back in. But your pastor ignored God. And kept going. You're never going to want to come back to church again, I know. You've never done that before. I just kept going. I just went home. I get home. My wife meets me in the driveway. And she said, you dropped Sarah off at the wrong place. She said, luckily, some parent was there and dropped their kid off at the wrong place. But that dad walked her in. And so that dad picked up your kid and took, now it's, you know, that dad picked up our child and took them to the right place. I had to go get her. And I'm going, oh no, I feel terrible. So much parent guilt. Anybody ever have that that feeling? So I go and pick her up and I walk in (laughs) I Park. I walk in, and she comes and she says, "Dad, I told you you should have walked me in." <laughs> I said, "I know, honey. I know." And this is what God. This is what God gave me. Gave me grace. And I said, "Honey, I will." Let you down, but God will never let you down. And God, I believe that God put. I'm, I'm, I'm not just trying to over exaggerate. I believe that God put that other parent and that child there for a reason to make sure. And my daughter didn't have a phone; she couldn't call. You know, and so, we, you know, the parent called my wife. You know, and she, I just said, "Listen, honey, I'm, you're, but I'm gonna fail you. I'm gonna let you down because I'm imperfect." But your God, He's gonna take care of you. And she said, That's great, Dad, but you let me down. <laughs> right? <Yeah. laughs> Listen, we are imperfect people, and things get messy. And you may have grown up in a situation where things just were messy. But I just want to tell you that you are here today because you have a perfect heavenly father who loves you and he wants you to be in line with his son, Jesus and and Jesus would say Jesus would say you know what is so necessary for every single person what's necessary for every single person is not your first birth but your second birth that Jesus told that pharisee that night You must be born again. You are in this world, created in the image of God. God has a plan and a purpose for your life. And that purpose and that plan is for you to know Jesus and for you to be born again. To know him. A perfect, perfect Heavenly Father, who will never fail you and will never let you down. So maybe your home situation is messy, but you were made for more. You were made for more, just like Zerubbabel. And as messy as that lineage was, and, it, and we, we, we don't have enough time to get into all that, he was born to be in line with Jesus, and so are you. Because as we say a lot around here, Jesus makes your life better, and he makes you better at life. You are made You're made for more. We're going to pick it up next week and the week after because what Haggai says next to Zerubbabel is too important for me to try to whip through that in a few minutes. So for all the times that I've gone long, (laughs) you're welcome. Let's pray, Lord. Uh, I just my prayer is today as we looked at some different lines that you established kings on a throne, leading up all the way through generations and, generations and generation, 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 leading up to what we all need where we all need to be, and the reason why we are here, that we were created for you as our creator. Not to try to always make sense of our messy lives and our upbringings and whether we, our father was good or not good or evil or not evil, but yet we can know that our father and earthly father is a sad example, a poor example of how perfect you are and how much you love us. That even if we as fathers, parents, grandparents, have so much capacity to love and even though we're imperfect and we can love imperfect things, how much love you have for us in your perfection and in your holiness that you love us. And God, I just pray, Lord, that we begin to sow these small seeds in our life of sowing into the fact that we exist, we live and breathe because of you, that we are made by you and we are made for you. And our life is meant to be reborn spiritually into your family as your children. And that's our identity that's who we are. We are your sons and we are your daughters, and we thank you for that grace you've extend to all of us. I pray this in Jesus' name.